Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Entire buildings collapse. They have never mm-hmm. seen anything like what they've seen in Kentucky. It goes on for miles and miles and miles. We were already seeing a blood shortage before this tornado outbreak. He texted me every day to tell me that he loved me. I won't get that anymore. Get that anymore. Get that anymore. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Tuesday. Tom and Clark, Benny is off today. Moorhead City Police say part of Highway 70 in Carteret County was closed in both directions earlier this afternoon. It's since been reopened. And opposed to its Facebook page, officials said the the road was closed to investigate a situation. Turns out there was a man out in the road, somewhere between McCabe Road and the intersection of Highway 24 and Highway 70. And uh, photos obtained by WNCT showed a man with a gun. Law enforcement from several agencies were also on the scene. The man has since been taken into custody. No further details have been released, and the road is back open. Also, WNCT is reporting a Greenville FedEx driver. If you're worried about getting your presents on time for Christmas, a Greenville FedEx driver is facing charges after Greenville police officials say he dumped packages into the woods instead of delivering them. That's one way to get through your route quickly. Police say on December the 6th, they were dispatched to 3317 East 10th Street. Someone witnessed a FedEx driver dump a load of packages in the parking lot and throw boxes into nearby woods. Officials say the witness got the license plate, the number of the truck, as well as the description of the driver. Police recovered the packages FedEx came in and delivered all 500 pounds of packages. And Dontrell Weaver is spending a few nights uh, behind the bars. The uh, Greenville Police Department says, a good reminder, Santa isn't the only one watching you this time of year. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, I just saw this article come across uh, Fox News. Representative Ilhan Omar is pushing a controversial Islamophobia bill. The Combating International Islamophobia Act would direct the State Department to create a special envoy and office on the issue. Now, she's doing this under religious freedom. Under the bill, those entities would monitor and combat Islamophobia around the world. There's just one problem. There are a number of Islamic nations around the world that have vowed to destroy the great Satan, America, and its ally, Israel. Uh, Yeah, I think I'd have a problem with this. (laughs) Apparently, even the Biden administration is uh, pushing back on Ilhan Omar. Wow. How did we ever get to this place? Um, Fox News is reporting on Andrew Cuomo. It's amazing how quickly you can fall from your high perch. Disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo, ex of governor from New York, will be forced to return the money from the proceeds of his book written during the COVID-19 pandemic after a 12-1 vote by the Joint Commission on Public Ethics. Cuomo will have to return... million 
earned back to the state by next month after the watchdog ethics panel concluded that the governor had violated pledges not to use state resources or government staff to prepare the project. The resolution was drafted by Commissioner David McNamara. Cuomo, McNamara said, now lacked the legal authority to engage in outside activity and receive compensation in regard to the book. This from the New York Post. Cuomo's book titled American Crisis Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. (laughs) I mean, this is, and it was criticized at the time. I mean, he was patting himself on the back. I'm surprised he didn't pull a muscle to reach back there to pat himself while he was forcing nursing homes to take infected COVID patients and thousands of people died in these nursing homes because of his mandate that you have to accept these patients. And of course, Joe Biden said he was the gold standard of leadership when it came to COVID. And uh, the mainstream media was slobbering all over him. Then uh, everything started to fall apart. Women started uh, coming up and saying, uh, yeah, he is uh, a sexual predator. New York Attorney General Letitia James started investigating Cuomo and his book, along with the FBI. You know, returning $5.1 million might be the least of his worries. He might be spending some time behind bars when it's all said and done. Uh, Cuomo's little brother, Chris, was also wrapped up in the governor's scandal. Documents reveal that he helped his older brother. Now he has fallen from grace. He has been booted from CNN. And by the way, he had a book deal, which has now been canceled. Um, (laughs) Do you know what his book was going to be titled? Rather appropriate. Chris Cuomo's book was going to be entitled Deep Denial. Inconceivable! No, that's conceivable. (laughs) He has one big deep denial. The Epic Times is reporting that the CDC director said that the definition of fully vaccinated is still evolving. As federal health officials publicly mull over the definition of what constitutes, quote, fully vaccinated, the head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said earlier today that the agency is still evaluating. Currently, one is considered fully vaccinated if they've received either one Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine dose or two Moderna vaccine doses or two Pfizer doses. The CDC is the agency that will ultimately decide whether the definition of fully vaccinated will include a booster dose. Some state agencies, federal agencies, and military branches, and many businesses have mandated that workers and staff members will be fully vaccinated by a certain date, Adding a booster shot to the equation may mean that millions of workers would have to receive the booster dose or potentially face termination or suspension from their jobs. But CDC Director Rochelle Walensky told the Today Show earlier today that whether the definition of, quote, fully vaccinated should change from two shots to three shots is evolving. The agency has not made a determination either way. But, but... They come out and they say, however, we do strongly suggest that people go ahead and get the booster shot. Now, is it just me or does this seem a little odd? 
We don't know. We're not sure. We've not made up our minds. Everything is evolving, but go out and get the booster shot. I, I mean, bottom line is, I mean, think about this. They don't know. They're still evaluating what would normally take years to find out the ramifications of a vaccine such as the COVID vaccine, any one of the three, we would take years, not weeks, not months, but years. And uh, no, not so much on this one. Just go out and get it. And we'll decide later whether it was a good idea or not. By the way, Kathy Davies, a woman up in uh, Virginia, her family has taken the hospital. She's at uh, Falquier health hospital in warrenton virginia the hospital refused to give her ivermectin they went to court the judge said no you're going to give this woman what she wants what her family wants you're going to give her the ivermectin Uh, the hospital refused even refused the court order it wasn't until the judge came back and said okay you either give it to her or we're going to fine you $10,000 a day retroactive to December the 9th when I issued the order. The hospital started giving her the ivermectin Monday night. Now, it'll be interesting to see. Did they wait too long? Did the hospital dragging their feet? Was that waiting too long for this woman? The son of the woman uh, has expressed um, the desire for everybody to pray for his mom. The son, Chris, has been emailing supporters, continuing to ask for prayer. Chris asked for people to continue storming heaven with prayers and assured supporters that he and his family will keep fighting for the rights of each individual citizen of our beautiful country, he said. On Monday, December 13th, Virginia's 20th Judicial Court found Falquier health in contempt of of the court after refusing to comply with previous orders that ruled by 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight, Kathy Davies must be given the dose of ivermectin as prescribed by her doctor, retained by the Davies family. Additional, if the hospital did not comply, the state had the right to fine the hospital $10,000 a day. That order would have been applied retroactively back to December the 9th and onward. The court also ordered that the Davies family given police escort, if necessary, to administer the drug to their mother. But the court also said that the hospital had an opportunity to purge the contempt charge by complying with the order. The hospital reportedly is now opening or opting, I should say, to comply with that order after a week of arguing why they should not give the drug to Kathy Davies as the family requested. It is mind boggling. And I put these two stories together. On one hand, we've got the head of the CDC telling us, yeah, we really don't know the ramifications. We really don't know what we're doing. Every, the, the definition of fully, vaccination, it, full, fully vaccinated is evolving. But go out and get vaccinated. Go out and get your booster. But yet we have a, a hospital, and we know the ivermectin is it's, it's not going to hurt you. But yet we have hospitals dragging their feet, refusing to administer it. What is wrong with this picture? Joe Biden came out and implied that the deaths of those 13 U.S. service members during his disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan were inevitable. 
quote, everybody says you could have gotten out with anybody without anybody getting hurt, Biden said, of the Afghanistan situation to CBS News. No one came up with a way to indicate to me how that happens. Well, maybe you should have gone and talked to Donald Trump and the people he had leading over in Afghanistan, his military leaders, because over the previous 17 months, no military personnel had lost their lives over in Afghanistan. It wasn't until you came in and totally dismantled in an asinine fashion what was a strong force over in Afghanistan, worried that you couldn't get out fast enough, and 13 people lost their lives. He said, but look, (laughs) would somebody please explain this to me? He said, but look, one of the things we did decide, and I mean this, my word as a Biden. (laughs) Come on, man. What good is your word as a a Biden? He said, I know I'm willing to lose over, Biden told CBS, if we walk away from the middle class, if we walk away from trying to unify people, if we start to engage in some kind of politics— that the last four years have done, I'm willing to lose over that. You mean you're willing to lose your presidency, my presidency? That's right, Biden said, because I'm going to stick with it. There are certain things, just like, for example, Afghanistan. Well, I've been against the war in Afghanistan from the very beginning. We were spending $300 million a week in Afghanistan over 20 years. Didn't he originally vote to go into Afghanistan? I think he did. But he said, but look, one of the things we decide, and I mean this, my word as a Biden. Let's see. Let's think about that. So is it your brother Bill who made millions of dollars overseas? Questionable. Or is it your word as Hunter? (laughs) Hunter. Yeah, that great drug addict. Your word as a Biden. Uh, Along with that. Marine General Frank McKenzie said in an interview late last week that the U.S. had lost virtually all of its capability to track Islamic terrorists and al-Qaeda and other organizations inside Afghanistan after Democrat President Joe Biden's chaotic and disastrous pullout from the country earlier this year. So we have the Marine General Frank McKenzie talking about we can't we can't track Islamist terrorists. I mean, literally, he said, I think it was, we're basically, you know, quote, we probably have at about 1% or 2% of the capabilities we once had to look into Afghanistan. So we've got, we've got this Marine general saying that on one hand and, and giving Joe Biden all the credit. Joe, you can take all the credit you want on that. But on the other hand, we have Ilhan Omar wanting to push her Islamophobia bill in which they that you would have a department at the State Department, a special envoy in that office, who would um, work with entities around the world monitoring and combating Islamophobia around the world. Are, are there? What are the groups? And look, I'm not saying all everyone that's a Muslim is a terrorist. I'm not saying that at all. But when you have someone as liberal as Ilhan Omar, 
Do you think she is going to uh, have an exception for Islamist terrorists? Are, are they going to be? Are, are we going to handle? Are we going to start to handle them with kick gloves? Of course, I mean this is nothing new. We had President Obama, who gave what six hundred billion was it? How, how many? How many? Or a million to uh, Iran? Paying them to behave themselves. Unbelievable. Hey, we got to take a timeout. Lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. News and Views continues right after this. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Mostly clear tonight, a low around 35. Tomorrow, sunshine with high near 63. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, a low around 42. Thursday, sunny with a high near 71. So not a couple of bad days at all. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Come on by. And uh, for the golfer in your world, we've got all kinds of golf apparel, golf equipment, and gift certificates for rounds of golf or golf lessons. Stop by, and uh, and there's plenty of stuff in stock. So stop by the pro shop and uh, pick some goodies up for the golfer in your life. Great Christmas presents. Uh, give them a call, 752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Uh, this just in, lawmakers have uh, passed in the Senate they voted to lift the federal debt ceiling by $2.5 trillion on Tuesday. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that the total debt wasn't $2.5 trillion. Now we have to raise it by $2.5 trillion, uh, clearing a key hurdle toward avo- avoiding a U.S. default after months of discord on Capitol Hill. The vote was along party lines 50 to 49. Lawmakers expect the increase, which raises the debt ceiling to roughly 35 I'm sorry 31.5 trillion and again boy just a couple of years ago we were uh, pushing 20 trillion that's increased now by 50% and boy you think uh, you think inflation's bad now hold on to your hats the uh, treasury secretary janet yellen said lawmakers had until wednesday to raise the debt ceiling or risk a potential default on us obligations Earlier, Republicans agreed to a one-time exception to the filibuster allowing the Democrats to pass the debt hike by a simple majority vote rather than meeting the 60-vote threshold. Now, I, I guess the Republicans thought this was a clever way to make the Democrats own the debt ceiling raise. But I'm sorry, it's just as irresponsible. You, you you voted to allow them to do that. You voted with them to allow. I mean, it's a, a sleight of hand, but you allowed them to do it. You voted to do it, including Tom Tillis and Richard Burr. I, I, I do not get it. And, you know, don't give me this crap, pardon me, about how, oh, this is the responsible thing to do to meet our obligations, which is basically what Chuckles the Clown Schumer said. This is the responsible. No, the responsible thing to do is to live within your means. The irresponsibility of the people up in Washington, D.C. is beyond the pale. 
And unfortunately, these old codgers up there in the Democratic Party and Republican Party, Mitch McConnell, uh, you put him in with the same Democrats, uh, they'll be dead and gone. When if, there'll be some of us left around and our children and grandchildren, they are the ones that are going to be having to clean up this horrendous mess. It, it's it's mind-boggling that you would say something like that. Oh, we have to be responsible to pay our debts. Is that what you can tell your teenage kid if they, you know, go out and spend, you give them a credit card? And they put $10,000 of debt on the credit card. And your teenage son comes and says, you better give me another credit card, Dad. Otherwise, it would be irresponsible not to pay my debts. Where are we as a nation? Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut. He's a guy that looks like Skeletor. Um, He was the guy when he was running to be a U.S. senator from Connecticut. He lied about his uh, service in the armed forces, talking about how, I, I can't remember now, but he's, you know, like he saw action in Vietnam, and I, th- I don't think he ever left the United States. Over the weekend, this past weekend, he was the keynote speaker at a organization, a well, it was an awards ceremony, And it was hosted by a Communist Party affiliate whose leaders used the event to recruit potential members to the organization. Blumenthal, by the way, through the marriage to his wife's family that they're real estate moguls, he's one of the wealthiest members in the Senate. He presented certificates of special recognition from the Senate to three winners of the Amistad Award given annually by the Connecticut People's World Committee, an affiliate of the Communist Party USA and the Marxist People World News Site. Blumenthal appeared even as Democrat leaders have downplayed allegations that many in the party support socialist or communist policies. Joe Biden distanced himself from the left-wing ideologies in the 2020 presidential campaign, at one point bragging that he defeated a socialist, Bernie Sanders, in the primaries. Bernie's more than a socialist. He's a communist. Blumenthal used his speech at the ceremony to tout Democrat legislative policies, including voting rights reform, ending the filibuster, and Build Back Better Act, according to the Yankee Institute, a free market think tank in Connecticut Connecticut that reported details of the event. Blumenthal was introduced at the event by Lisa Bergman, a Communist Party member who blamed corporations for the imperialism that exists in our world that is undermining the labor and environment. Bergman and her fellow communist MC Ben McManus issued invitations at the ceremony to join the Communist Party. If you're not already part of the Communist Party, we invite you to participate and contribute and join, Bergman said after Blumenthal's speech. So Blumenthal was the warm-up act to get people to join the Communist Party? Folks, I mean, it used to be you'd sort of have to infer that these people might have communist ideologies in the back of their mind that they don't utter now they're coming out and uttering it i mean can you imagine a united states senator 
who goes around bragging about how he's a patriot and loves America and served in the armed services, and he's the keynote speaker for an organization that brags about being a communist and encouraging people to join the Communist Party? If you're not already a part of the Communist Party, we invite you to participate and contribute and join, Bergman said. There's more and more people talking about socialism in the country as it becomes more and more clear that capitalism is not going to work for our future. I'm a member of the Communist Party. I love it. I think it's an amazing organization, said Bergman, who serves as an organizer for Young Communist League USA. McManus echoed Bergman's remarks, inviting ceremony viewers to join the Communist Party in this epic time as we make good trouble to uproot systemic racism, retool the war, uh, the war economy, tax the rich, address climate change, secure voting rights, and create new socialist systems that put people, peace, and the planet before profits. You know, I mean, this is Marxists have been doing this for decades. They champion these causes that they think the people will rally around. Oh, these causes are wonderful. These causes are so great. And uh, the bottom line is they could care less about the causes. Uh, they, they don't care about these issues. They care about changing our government, sinking capitalism. And they came out and said it. Capitalism, nah, not so much. Communism, that's what I love. Wow. I mean, is Blumenthal... Is he a communist or is he stupid? Or both? I, I'm sorry. This is, I mean, if you're going to come out and do something this blunt, this over the top, then I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be pretty blunt in my comments about you. Wow. Joe Biden's nominee for the vice chairman of the chief of the Joint Chiefs of Staff told the Senate gender advisors for combat troops are critical to the United States success, a position some veterans say is nothing more than a left-wing initiative that distracts from the military core duties. This is cut one, Clark. The revelation came during a December 8th exchange between Senator Jehan Sheehan, or Gene Sheehan, who asked how Admiral Christopher Grady intends to implement women, peace, and security legislation within the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Most regional and functional combatant commands have hired full-time gender advisors to integrate gender perspectives into our planning. Um, and... I just wondered if confirmed, how will you implement women, peace, and security within the joint staff? Yes, thank you. Um, uh, the, the role of a gender advisor is a way to uh, attack uh, a very significant issue. And uh, if confirmed, I look forward to leveraging uh, those, um, those advisors who can make me think better and smarter about um, the issues that uh, that you raise. Um, so I look forward to, if confirmed, um, uh, understanding that ecosystem and helping uh, uh, advance that uh, and advance that uh, cause um, going forward. Again, um, we want to bring everybody to the table, get the advantage of all of their uh, of their thinking, um, and uh, and it's also part of creating that safe and secure work environment for all of our sailors and soldiers, airmen, Marine Coast Guard and guardians. Now here's the issue. The Woman, Peace, and Security Act of 2017 
required the Department of Defense to require the training in security initiatives that specifically address the importance of meaningful participation by women and to develop effective strategies and best practices for ensuring meaningful participation by women. That in and of itself isn't really bothersome. I mean, you know, yeah, women should be treated with respect and uh, they should have a chance to serve in our armed services. Agree with all of that. And obviously there was, in, in the past, we've seen situations where there was harassment, sexual harassment, and, uh, and it, it went beyond harassment. I mean, it was, it was pretty vile. We all remember those things. Happened not too many years ago, but it has happened. It's been a few years. Uh, but the problem with all this is, when is this going to become a situation for the transgender? And um, gender advisors will be advising us on how the transgender needs to be integrated into the military. Uh, that will happen. That will happen. And it won't be, and it, it's already happening. And uh, when you begin to worry about those situations, the core duties of the military are uh, going to be in the tank. We've got to take another time out. More news and views coming up. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. CNN on Sunday night ran a special. It was called the CNN Heroes All-Star Tribute. As you can imagine, it was uh, very progressive, very politically correct. And uh, CNN just doesn't get it. They just get it. This CNN Heroes All-Star Tribute, hosted Cooper and Kelly Ripa, managed to uh, attract the lowest number for any Sunday night programming they've had, well, the second lowest in the history of CNN. 422,000 viewers for the age group 25 to 54, which is what everybody's going after, 42,000 viewers total. Don't get it, but they keep on doing it. Uh, where you actually wanted to get viewers, if you're on radio, if you're on cable, if you're on TV, you want to get listeners, you want to get viewers. If you're a newspaper, you want to get subscribers. That's, that's the basics of it. And CNN apparently just doesn't get it. Interesting article. Democrats have convinced they back better spending for the American people. Just had the story a few minutes ago. The Senate just voted to raise the debt ceiling by $2.5 trillion, and that is before Build Back Better. I mean, are we going to have to have a if, – if, if you pass this, you're probably going to have to come back, and uh, next time you raise the debt, it's going to be by even more than $2.5 billion. They're convinced that the American people are enthusiastic about Build Back Better. Bernie Sanders said, while the majority of the American people have expressed overwhelming support for the Build Back Better Act, 
and delivering for working Americans, Republicans continue to oppose it. Maybe, just maybe, that's why they have to resort to voter suppression. (laughs) Um, Well, listen, according to NPR, Bernie, NPR, uh, you know, basically their philosophy would be pretty much right there with uh, CNN. According to NPR, Democrats have staked their political future on enacting Biden's plan for trillions in social spending, but a new NPR Marist poll shows that most voters are skeptical about the party's proposals. Just 41% of the survey respondents said they support the Build Back Better bill, the roughly $2 trillion bill, $2 trillion, and that's minimal, $2 trillion, currently negotiated in Congress, nearly three-quarters of all Democrats said the support they support the bill, but only 36% of independents and only 13% of Republicans agreed. Survey respondents were less optimistic about the in-process Build Back Better legislation. Just 42% said they thought it would help people like them, while a clear majority of Democrats, 69%, said the policies would help them. Just 36% of independents and less than 20% of Republicans agreed. Nearly 6 in 10 Americans oppose the Democrat proposal. Um, Consider some of the terrible poll numbers battering Biden and his party in recent days. This from ABC News. So again, this isn't isn't Fox News. This isn't the Daily Wire or, or the Washington Free Beacon. This is NPR and ABC. According to ABC, more than two-thirds of Americans, 69% disapprove of how Biden is handling inflation, only 28% approve, while more than a half, 57%, disapprove of his handling of the economy overall. Um, So, Bernie, I think you better reconsider your propaganda I mean, I I guess the Democrats right now, their hope is that can we please get this passed because we know we're going to get shellacked. If we can get it passed and and people start receiving the benefits, maybe the Republicans won't be able to undo it. Or if they do try to undo it, it'll make them look bad and we can come in and be the heroes and promise all sort of free goodies. Well, there is no such things as a free lunch. We got to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. I think it's safe to say the FBI needs a major makeover. Thank you, James Comey, for taking a... uh, well-respected organization and flushing it down the toilet. An investigation released by the Department of Justice today found four FBI officials engaged in commercial sex with prostitutes while overseeing of DOJ said the officials lack candor in failing to report their involvement or other agents' involvement in soliciting sex with prostitutes. Of the five FBI line to retired, one was removed while the investigation was still ongoing. 
One of the FBI officials additionally lied to the Office of Inspector General, which oversaw the investigation during an interview followed by a polygraph questioning. The individual denied having engaged in any sexual acts with a prostitute. The OIG investigation further found that five officials failed to report contact or relationships with foreign nationals, including foreign nationals from whom they procured commercial sex in violation of FBI policies. Yeah, I'd say the FBI needs a major makeover. I mean, mean, this organization at one time was pristine. Now, you know, I know they were not perfect. I know they were not perfect. And And I know there were people within the organization that had some questionable behaviors. Um, but overall, you looked at the FBI and you said, okay, we can respect that organization. Those days are long gone. Free Beacon is reporting Democrats want to subject tech companies to mandatory racial equity audits conducted by their political allies, a move that could cement the party's control of the tech giants. A small group of organizations with close ties to Democratic politicians and progressive donors conducts the majority of these audits, audits, which advocates say they are needed to promote racial justice. But in practice, equity auditors often push companies to hire more left-wing activists and former Democratic Party officials, often from the auditing organizations themselves. The audits also call for the abolition of of standards of, quote, merit and the ability for a special executive to veto any company project. Racial equity audits are the chief service offered by diversity, equity, and inclusion. Consultants, a cottage industry connected to a revolving door of Democratic staffers funded by liberal donors, equity auditors have made a killing from school districts that pay handsomely for consultants to revamp curriculum the Washington Free Beacon has reported now racial equity auditors are set setting their sights on corporate America. First of all, um, there's just one problem with all of this. If, if you were to put a question on a, an employee application about the applicant's race, uh, that's illegal. You can't do that. But they want to have these equity audits. Now, equity doesn't mean everyone has an equal chance to go work at an organization. Equity is the idea that because of their presupposed past prejudices, and not even of the company, but of the history of America, therefore, equity means you need to pay these people more, you need to put these people in higher positions, And it's done under the guise of racial equality. But that's not the goal. The goal is liberals having the upper hand in these organizations. And and frankly, this is why things like Rumble, things like Donald Trump's new social media organization is so important. Their goal, again, liberals don't care about racial equality. That's that's a, a red herring that they use in order to get liberals into the organization, to begin to control the organization. So they can smash conservative ideology 
and promote liberalism so they can go into the next general election and be controlled. And look, I mean, it used to be liberals controlled ABC, CBS, and NBC and the major papers, and that's all they needed. Now uh, they have realized that we've lost control because of conservative media, conservative radio, because of conservative uh, internet sites. They've lost control, and they're trying to gain that control back. And they're doing it under the guise of uh, racial equity. Uh, Again, though, by their and there's an organization out there called Color of Change, and uh, they are pushing hard for this. And you will find last week, Color of Change President Rashid Robinson was invited to testify to Congress. And he called for independent auditors to vet new products from each tech company before they're released. Robinson didn't mention that the independent auditors are closely affiliated with his organization, Color of Change. Isn't it always that way? Beyond hiring underrepresented groups, says Color of Change, organizers need to increase the awareness of all employees through comprehensive racial justice trainings and initiatives. Color of Change has already succeeded in using racial equity audits to shape big tech policy. In 2018, it successfully pushed Facebook into completing an audit that called for more restrictions on Trump's post. Color of Change itself pushed for Trump to be permanently banned from the platform. After the audit was released, Facebook hired an Obama administration Justice Department official to lead the company's civil rights strategy. Do you need more evidence than that? Democrat officials and lawmakers have close personal and professional relationships with advocate activist auditors. Laura Murphy, who pioneered corporate racial equity audits, was invited to conduct her first audit in 2016 by Venetia Gupa, a close friend who now serves as the associate attorney general for the United States. Yeah, it is uh, interwoven. It is a ugly mess, and uh, it is how the liberals have gotten control of social media, and they continue to uh, double down. Can't make it up. Uh, Yeah, be careful, and uh, beware of what's happening all around you. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.